I've got a story. I've got a story. A regular read of the latest LGBT plus trends, TV, and the ever-expanding world of drag. Hello there, I'm the Velvet Snatch, and welcome to season two of Girl. This week, licking the bowl clean, it's our resident thotter stew. That's disgusting, hello. <laughs> Ooh, she'd like you to handle her warm pastries, it's Lady D. Only if you ask nicely. <laughs> And still hot and fresh from the oven, it's downtown Abbey Scott. <laughs> do you know what I did say? You don't need to do the downtown Abbey Malagi, but it's fine. <laughs> That's it. It's fine. Is it? Is it grand? Grand. grand. <laughs> and joining us this week, fashion queen of New York City, drag mother to the stars, and owner of quite a talented mouth. What? Well, she's an opera singer. It's Jasmine Rice. Hello there. Hello, my dear subject. <laughs> What's the T in NYC? What's the T in NYC? Um, we're still under lockdown somewhat. We're still not open. Um, I just recently actually had surgery. So um, this is actually very, very entertaining for me. <laughs> At least it's entertaining for someone. <laughs> what surgery were you getting done? Oh my God, what a personal question. I thought British people were supposed to be proper and nice who told who told you that <laughs> i do need to just point out though that he's from the outskirts of sunderland as well so that's why he's rude i'm not <laughs> at all okay just nosy then we can go with nosy that's, that's fair fine. that's fair you can find out what kind of surgery i did if you follow my only fans <laughs> <laughs> Good plug. So, Jasmine, for anyone who's been living under a rock or in a certain city in the UK, how would people know you? People would know me as, well, I have a very famous daughter. She was on Canada's Drag Race. I'm going to name drop her right here. Um, I am Lemon's drag mother. Um, I also have two other drag children, Easy Uncut and Lexington Banks. But I'm also the international um, mother of the royal house of La Beja, which is in the ballroom scene. So, um, yeah, you guys can also all follow me on Instagram at JasmineRiceNYC. She is verified. She's an influencer and all that jazz. Honey. What kind of freebies do you, can you get? What kind of freebies? Um, STDs. <laughs> oh. So what's it like being a drag mom then? How did that come around? Um... What is it like being a drag mom? I'm like the most typical Asian mother that you can ever ask for. I'm never satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> dishonor on your family, dishonor on your cat. <laughs> you know, I try to help my drag daughters out as, out as much as possible. Um, I mean, I think we also have to realize that we're all fully grown um, people playing dress up. So, um, you know, there's a little little here and there kind of moment. So whenever my drag daughters needs me, I'm there. Whenever I need assistance with something, they're there. So it's like, it's it's more like a friendly club moment. Yeah. It sounds like a family. It sounds like how a family should function. Mm -hmm. Or dysfunction. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds more functional than most families, actually. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's like your most supportive than your average family. So well, it's like that. Uh, <laughs> fr- friends are the family you choose, isn't it? Right, right, right. Like I could tell, I could talk to my drag daughters about everything and anything um, that I can't talk about to my biological family. So, so when did you give birth to Lemon then? Ooh, that's a good question. I actually don't remember. It's been at least three years, four years, I believe, since I was Lemon's drag mom. Was she your first? Yes, she was my firstborn child. Was it an easy birth, or was it was it a cesarean, or did she come out fully formed? Oh, I was fully on the episode of I didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> oh well, she is only little, isn't she? Yes, and she is stunning and gorgeous. Absolutely stunning, and robbed. And robbed. Yeah, I didn't understand some of the judging on that show because one week, I believe Lemon had won the week before, and then the next week it was like, bye, see you later. And I thought, well, hold on, I don't think that that was deserved. Mm-mm. I mean, I think people forget that Drag Race is a reality show. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people are like, well, Lemon, has, Lemon was giving no shape. And I was like, well, most of the girls who were on Drag Race Canada was given no shape <laughs> in my point of view so it was just really interesting to watch but i think she really flourished well and showed her um showed the audience members her attributes and her amazing personality and how funny and stupid she is which is the jasmine rice love asia brand i think it's well sometimes especially now with drag race literally taking over the whole world is that you don't actually have to win to necessarily win. Oh, I think anyone who goes into Drag Race thinking that they have to win and that it's an actual competition is kind of delusional. I don't know if I'm going to get cancelled by saying that, but you should really get on there to like really have fun and enjoy and become part of this entity that is beyond just the competition show. I mean, like, look at all the popular girls. Some of the popular girls... The most popular girls didn't even win or didn't even make halfway through competition. And um, we, we, we talk about like how you don't need to win Drag Race. And then even the queens that have won have kind of said that it's not the be all and end all of things. Because I remember Bob talking about like how, yeah, he won. He got all of this money and then the money runs out. Like people think that you're rich forever after you win like a couple of grand on the show. And then it's like, well, no, you have to get back to working and stuff like that. And so it's all about how you use the fame that you get through television, not just the cash if you win. Right. I think there's also like a misconception of the show that once you're on the show, you're going to be sitting on a money bag. And that's not true. You have to use that platform to your advantage. Like your platform is just given to you but it's not going to be an automatic ATM machine that just hands out money. You have to create more content for yourself, what your brand is going to be. So I think there are a lot of girls who get on the show nowadays. I mean, people call them filler queens, I guess. Um, But like they don't have, you just being a drag queen isn't enough these days. You have to have some kind of a platform. Is your platform going to be, oh, you want to be a supermodel like Miss Fame or Violet Chachki, or is it going to be, yeah. Like Kim Chi, who creates her own makeup brand and makeup line, or Bob the Drag Queen, or uh, Bianca Del Rio, who's a comedy queen who goes on tours for the comedy show. Like some of the girls that get on the show nowadays, it's like, I don't know what your platform is. And I'm not trying to shade anyone, but like to name someone right now, it's like, for example, it's like someone who just got eliminated this 
um, episode, Elliot with the two T's. I don't really know what her brand is, and that's not yeah. me being she. I don't think she really showed what her brand was. She said that she was a dancing queen, but I don't think she really showcased her dancing skills. Yeah, I that. Yeah, well, well, she had the episode with the the hula hoop where she managed to make that work. I think <laughs> she managed to make the hula hoop work, but. Uh, it wasn't really putting her to the test. You know, she could do a lot better than we got to see in that episode. Mm -hmm. And certainly in that final lip sync, she didn't go out of a way to kind of uh, done us with her dancing, I don't think, particularly. I think as well with Elliot, though, from my perspective, is that she kind of was done dirty right in the beginning, like fake eliminated, brought back into the gold, the winner's circle, and then had to compete with these people that she'd already lost against. So I think she was frantically trying to demonstrate what she, like, in the moment, or tell them what she was good at instead of actually, sit, like, doing it. Like, the first episode, when um, they were all together and they did uh, Condragulations, that was, like, a shining moment for Elliot. But then, unfortunately, after that, they were very few and far between. And I think that it was probably the, the fear and the anxiety and the terror of actually participating in the show and how it all started for her that kind of superseded what she was actually doing in the show. I think that's too deep. <laughs> I know you're in your master's, but you don't have to be writing a thesis about why Elliot. Oh, she could. She could. She definitely no, could. So, Jasmine, one thing I really want to talk to you about is your fashion. You know, obviously, we don't get to see all of it on your Instagram, but it's it's fascinating to watch because, like, you really. Like, I think a challenge that a lot of drag queens have is knowing their body and knowing what works with what they've got to work with. And you're astounding at it. Like, you know, all these dresses just kind of show you off in the best possible light. How long did that take to kind of find your look and become so good at drag? Oh my goodness, all these compliments, keep them coming. Um, uh, well, you know, I'm a plus size queen, I would like to say. So I think, it was very, very difficult for me in the beginning to, especially when I started drag, to buy clothes off the rack because I started drag in about 2012, 2000, hmm. yeah, 2012. I actually started drag with Monet Exchange. Um, and it was kind of difficult finding clothes because back then, it's like sewing and, you know, Amazon Prime and those things weren't really available. You know what I mean? So I had to figure out a way to make my fantasies come to life. And I always say that like doing, being a drag queen and doing drag is like fulfilling my fantasy. Ever since I was a little kid, I loved dressing up. I loved playing the villain. I loved playing the princess, never the prince though. Um, <laughs> and all that jazz. And so I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start making ball gowns because I want to wear a fucking ball gown and I want to ma make, you know, sexy outfits as a plus size girl and have that crazy, silhouette of Jessica Rabbit and try to make the best of it. And I think that's how I got really started because also it costs a lot of money to get those garments made. So I basically taught myself through YouTube. I feel like YouTube is the drag mother to all <laughs> yeah. nowadays. The default um, drag mother. Yeah, to like sew and stuff like that and make stuff for myself. And, you know, I just try... I, I feel like I just literally make and wear stuff that um, I like and I think looks good. And if that's what people like, that's what people like. If that's not what people write, like, 
then they're wrong. So it doesn't really. <laughs> I mean, one thing I love about your looks is the amount of trails. Uh, well, trains, I think they're called. The amount of trains you have. It's like... That, you know, because it, it looks fantastic. I, I know, obviously, there's a few Photoshop things where the train can't possibly have been that long, but please feel free to prove me wrong. <laughs> you know. um, all my trains on the photos are real. Bloody hell. <laughs> That's amazing. I love, like, I love the drama of it all. Literally, if you guys, like, ever came to my apartment, my apartment is just one giant storage closet. So... <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. Do you use the trains as curtains then? <laughs> Just pull them down and be like, right, time to go. It's a, it's Not used... Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Gone with the Window challenge again. Hello. Now, uh, a, lo a local queen that we have here who's absolutely amazing, like she's an amazing seamstress, she's a comedy queen uh, called Opium. Like she's kind of famous for having like these long trails and being a plus size queen but obviously every time there's a gig or she does a performance loads of people are standing on it and it's this idea of going is a train a good idea in a room packed full of people uh, have you ever had that problem or you know do people know to keep their distance i still love to feel the fantasy that's why i say like i'm the sweeper and the cleaner of new york city side <laughs> <laughs> Every single time I wear my garment, I'm literally cleaning the floors of a bar or something. I, I love to live the fantasy, so like, <laughs> even if my trains get dirty, so be it, kind of a moment. Can you can you taste it up and put Brillo pads on the bottom end of it, so therefore, you know, and then maybe get some money from the government? I cannot. Money from the government? We don't even, we're not even getting a stimulus check. How <laughs> One of the great things about America that we're fairly jealous of is um, ballrooms, like uh, and that whole drag scene, because we've, we're really wanting it to become a thing in the UK, because we don't really have pageants, we don't really have sort of drag balls and whatnot, and it's something that, you know, you have a lot of experience in. Well, I joined the ballroom scene around 2016. I was um, accepted to be in the royal house of la beja and we always say we're the royals because we are the original house that was ever formed and everyone else followed so you know um but yeah i mean i love ballroom i mean we're just talking about people of color it's a place where people of color and people who are queer can come and form a house and be a family and celebrate each other while being shady. You know, all the faggotry that we love in mainstream. Um, I think a lot of um, straight media don't know where those, you know, shady comments came from or, or this lingo or that lingo or this fashion statement. It usually all comes from ballroom. And um, that's why I fell in love with it because of how creative it was. And I mentioned up, uh, before about feeling the full fantasy i mean talk about fantasy ballroom is all about fantasy and make-believe so yeah wait is there really no ballroom scene in the uk they're trying to make it happen here in newcastle we've got it where where we had curious arts doing an amazing ball thing where it was like a runway catwalk thing where everyone got to show off their looks and it was like a it was like a very controlled ballroom and it was amazing and they planned to do one every year but then pandemic so Hopefully we can get back to that, but hopefully we can normalize it and get it all around the country. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, also people don't realize that ballroom has so many different categories. Like it's not only about voguing. There's runway, there's bizarre, there's 
face, there's best dress, there's so many categories that um, people just don't know because, I mean, people are more excited about, you know, the dip and the duck walking and the whacking and all that stuff. But yeah, ballroom is very, very big. Would you say that the depiction that is on pose it is um, is an honest one, and, and that that's how it is? Oh, well, I know that it's obviously back in the late eighties, early nineties, but does it still have that kind of feel? It is that kind of a feel. Of course, a lot of things has changed now, um, for sure. But I mean, the one thing about pose and like kudos to Ryan Murphy is that he literally sought out people who are historians of ballroom and people who are part of the ballroom community to really consult them with the storyline and everything so um up to a certain point definitely there are a lot of fictional things of course but i think in general it's pretty um accurate and close to real life ballroom culture so how did you get involved in the ballroom scene having come to america started out in your drag career how did, how did ballroom come about for you? I mean, it's so funny. Um, this might be so cliche, but I saw Paris is Burning <laughs> and I saw um, all of that. And I was like, oh my God, again, feeling the fantasy. I was like, I want to be part of this culture. And um, one of my friends was in the La Beja house and I was like, you know what? I really want to join a house and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, you know, why don't you walk a ball one day and, you know, showcase what you got. And I walked up all, and one of the uh, royal members, may he rest in peace, Tiny Labeja, he's actually the one who put it on the map of Butch Queen voguing like a femme queen. So all those new trends of Vogue, basically he's the originator of it. And he's also the originator of Midget Runway because he was short, but he loved to do runways and stuff like that. He saw me and he was like, you should be in the Labeja house. So. Um, I got accepted through him. What an honor. Yeah. What was, what was the category that you did? What, what Did you walk a few categories or was it just the one for your first uh, one? I, caught, I walked uh, one category and it was uh, drag queen's face. So it was all about the mug. And... So a question, we were talking about this today, me, David. When uh, you join a house, is it, the, is it a similar thing where you could choose to live together or is it a case of it's more like you're a drag family? So in Newcastle, we have drag families where they don't live together, they work separately, but when they go out, they always kind of like go together. Is that what it's more like these days or do you people still Yeah, it's with- definitely more like that these days. I mean, there are definitely kids who are like, oh my God, mom, I need a place to stay. So like they come over to, you know, your house, mother's house and crash there. It's basically like an exclusive club kind of a moment. And whenever you need something, your family members are there to help you out. When a new queen joins, do they have to kill one of the previous queens? Like, is there some kind of fight to the death system? No, it doesn't work like that. No, 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 no. no. We've, we've visited NYC a couple of times uh, and love it and hope to get back very soon when everything is open. In terms of the ballroom scene, is that something that is freely accessible to, for anyone to come and visit and see and be a part? I get kind of yeah. Ballroom is open to anyone. Um, usually, as long as you buy a ticket. I mean, uh, most of the balls I believe are ticketed events. Um, as long as you respect our space and acknowledge the fact that you are a guest at our venue and our event, I think is completely fine. I mean, there are a lot of ballrooms, like there are ballroom culture in Russia, where a ballroom culture in uh, Paris, ballroom culture in Mexico, ballroom culture in Brazil, 
Like, it's all over the place. I guess UK just haven't caught up yet. <laughs> I, I think there is places throughout the UK that does it, but I don't think there's any as notable as kind of the, the, the New York like ballroom scene. I think that's what it is. I think it's more of like a, it's it's quite quiet here as opposed to being such a like a thing that. I mean, New York, New York is the birthplace of ballroom and ballroom culture, so I don't think it'll ever go anywhere. You know. One thing that we can draw from Paris is Burning and the uh, New York ballroom scene is like reading. Like that's become a big thing. Like that's on Drag Race as well. You know, every season we have like the reading challenge. Have you been watching season thirteen? I have been watching season 13, absolutely. I watch every season. Uh, and and does she have thoughts? Do you know, <laughs> I really love Candy. Um, and that's not just because I'm friends with her. I think without her, the season would have been very, very boring. I, she, I think she's literally narrating and guiding this season because I think a lot of the girls forget where Drag Race was. But remember like season one, two, three, four, five? Like, there were a lot of fights in those seasons. Like, Shangela versus Mimi, Willem versus Fifi O'Hara versus Sharon Needles, Jinx versus Detox and Roxy Andrews. Like, that's what people tuned in to watch. Like, drag queens being catty because drag queens are catty. Um, I think a lot of the times, I think nowadays they're so, because of social media and how everyone is now getting canceled for anything even raven raven now was just on drag race and she's getting canceled because people are like oh my gosh she's doing blackface and blah 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 which i don't want to get into but i think people are tiptoeing around a lot of the conversation that they normally want to have um it's very like kumbaya my lord and during untucked and stuff like that so for me a lot of the times it's kind of boring like where's the personality where's the fun shadiness of it all like I know more than half of you girls are that are on the show, you guys are not like this in person. Like, you girls usually say what's on your mind. And I think that's why people, that's why that untucked of Candy of Tamisha was the most watched and most highly rated on IMDb uh, on RuPaul's Drag Race history. So, Do we think yeah. that's maybe why uh, Candy was saved? Because RuPaul was just like, no, you're, you know, you're like the lifeblood of this season. I think RuPaul really likes Candy because she's being authentic. Like a lot of the girls are like, oh, hi, RuPaul. I'm just like nice. I want to be Miss Congeniality. And Candy's like, what's up, bitch? Kind of a kind of a thing. And, you know, a lot of people forget that RuPaul is kind of old school drag where it was raw and edgy before and she loves like genuine personality and that's why every single time they say we want to see vulnerability and people think vulnerability is you crying about your mom during untucked and stuff like that of course like that is vulnerability but it's more about being authentically 100% yourself at all times especially in front of RuPaul so so we don't think that Candy was like a victim of the edit like this season, you know, like it's kind of framed her in a particular way. That is Candy to the hands down to the point. And that's why I love her for it. But I don't know why Internet was canceling Candy so much because like Tamisha is also full. I mean, she's the oldest contestant this season. Like she's a fully grown man. And, you know, they're going back and forth. And Candy was trying to walk out of the room and Tamisha followed her and got up and was like, oh no, bitch, oh no. Like she even got Mick in the middle of the, the, the episode was like, stop antagonizing her. But for some reason, Candy came out to be the bully and the bad guy 
and Tamisha for some reason came out to be a good guy, I guess, which I don't really think that there is a good guy or a bad guy moment. There are two grown-ups going back at each other like ratchet bitches that we all are in drag. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, did you guys not like Candy? See, for me, I think what it is is that um, when yep. Candy was, like, having a uh, like an argument with whoever, I feel like there's no acknowledgement of actually, yeah, I did crap this week or I, I didn't do so good last week or I didn't do this very well. But I feel like a lot of the time she's like saying, well, you're not doing this and you're not doing this, but I'm in the winner's circle, so therefore I'm good anyway. And I think that's what riles me is that I wish she'd just say, like, acknowledge that actually she wasn't very good in, in that one or she didn't do so good in that one, but she's telling everyone else that they didn't do so good or they they weren't so polished or they're not this or they're not that and then when she told like elliot to be more self-aware and i recognized that was about a different conversation altogether um but i just thought well actually i just wish that you'd be a little bit more self-aware as well and like say actually i fucked up this week however next week i'm gonna do really good like when she almost got kicked out at the beginning of this week's episode she said well i think all drag queens are somewhat delusional i mean some drag queens are real women you know what i'm saying like oh my god i'm serving such fish i was like no i could see your five o'clock shadows you know what i'm saying so you know again living in the fantasy but that's why i love candy is like she be living in the fantasy and you know if people are in that chapter with her that's great if not she's like fuck you i'm gonna do me kind of a moment honestly i think uk drag race this season was more entertaining than the us one a lot of people have been saying that but i i don't know whether it's because the us one seems to have been going on for such a long time already don't get us wrong more, the more episodes, the better for me. I was really annoyed last year when Corona hit and ruined me having a full year of Drag Race. <laughs> but like, uh, I was really happy in the beginning that the queens were getting to showcase themselves before they went instead of just being kicked out on the first challenge. But, but, um, but Drag Race in the UK seems to be very succinct, very together, and every week something different is happening, whereas it doesn't seem to be the same in the US one. Yeah, I think also it's the queens and the personnel. Like, I feel like the UK queens are being more authentically themselves. I mean, I'm talking about, like, vulnerability, authentic. Like, they are just showcasing who they are, like, Aurora or Tace or Sister Sister or Lawrence Cheney or Tia Coffee, like they're not afraid to get cancelled, if that makes sense, or be hated on or be praised. Like they're just there presenting themselves. Whereas again, US queens are putting on, I feel like, this filter or facade to be the next Valentina or the next Miss Congeniality or uh, so... All they're playing to the cameras because, uh, you know, when we were speaking to Scarlet Bobo the other week, they were pointing out, like, if you if you say particular, you know, if you make a lot of drama, then the camera starts following you kind of thing and you end up getting more space in the edit. And it's yeah. and it's like the game of reality TV. But it's a gamble just because you create a lot of drama doesn't mean you're going to be popular. I mean, look at I think, honestly, the prime example is like Silky Nutmeg Ganache. I think the production thought that she was great TV and that everyone was going to fall in love with her because she was just being loud and funny all the time. But I don't think that translated well to the screen. I mean, I also met Silky. She's one of the most delightful people to be around. She's so funny and she's so nice um, when I competed in Miss Continental. 
And seeing her on TV, I was like, oh my God, this is coming off completely differently than my experience with her. So, see, I enjoyed Silky. Like, I don't, I don't think it was. It was up until the whole Nina West Silky showdown that I was just like, ugh. But I, oh, I stand Silky all the way through. I was, I felt like everyone was giving her a really hard time when actually she was giving me good television. So Jasmine, who are your, who's your favorite to win Drag Race uh, US and Drag Race UK? Ooh, tough. I have the biggest crush on Taze. <laughs> I think he is so beautiful out of drag and in drag, like so striking. Are we including when covered in scouring pads? Yes, <laughs> I want him. Absolutely. That, that, want him that's to... risky. That's that's going to be abrasive. Absolutely. Wash this virus off of me with all of your... Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love Taze. I think she's an amazing fashion. I actually really, really like Lawrence Cheney. I think she is just so talented and so funny and um, shows different sides of drag in a many multiple of different ways i mean some people might find her annoying i think but i find her very very charming and entertaining especially with the accent and all that um so i think i'm team either taste or lawrence cheney mm-hmm. uh, for us i think there's something about simone where it's just like very mm-hmm. very easy to watch her like she's not trying so hard She's just being there like, yeah, I'm going to wear this on the main stage and people are going to live for it. And like, it's also not delusional because she does look great. And every challenge that is thrown at her, she just like adapts to it with ease. And even in when she was in the bottom two of Candy, her lip sync was just so easy. Like she wasn't like trying so desperately, desperately hard to... Be like, oh my god, I need to impress RuPaul, do a split, do a death drop, and blah blah. She was just there, okay, well, this is what I'm gonna perform. And it was like just so easy to watch her. And I think that's a star quality uh, winner material. So I think, I guess, Simone. Okay, can I just say something about Drag Race UK quickly? I'm the last episode, it was the stand up episode. Uh, I was really disappointed. Like, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit upset that whenever there's there's challenges that i think certain queens are going to rise to and be absolutely amazing at like joe black in a musical challenge or lawrence cheney in a comedy challenge and then they're just there and and i'm a bit like but you're better than this and i don't know if it's the context of the show and it's you know everything happening that's causing that but it was the fact that lawrence cheney sort of not doing brilliantly at stand-up and I, I admittedly while it was all bleeped out i loved ahura's performance because i just loved seeing how shocked the judges were at you know just how violent oh, yeah. it was i just love that it epitomizes kind of british culture that actually <laughs> in a comedy um challenge that we have to bleep half of it out to appear on the bbc because it was that kind of rude or kind of sexually it's motivated funny because bbc in america stands for big black cock so i don't <laughs> Did everyone hear the actual uncensored version of it? Gaping asshole. Yeah, I don't think it was like that bad compared to some of the other stuff that was being said. 
No, not at all. I th- and, and I would speak, well, actually, it's online, so it really should make a difference whether this war or not as well. And I think there's been worse said on BBC than gaping arsehole. <laughs> I think they've probably shown a couple, to be fair. But, um, I mean... Well, Boris is on the telly most days. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's an arsehole no one wants to gape. But but it's it's that idea where it's the fact of, I think, I think the problem was that Uhura, she had too much you know swearing she had too much like offensive stuff in hers whereas as a punchline right at the end that would have been the funniest thing in the entire world but it sounded like the whole thing was just blue throughout all of it yeah but i think this speaks something to what the problem is with the uk drag race actually and the platform that it's on is that it's kind of sanitizing it or making it safe so we went and there's no prize (laughs) yeah well that as well but we went to see a a performance in the summer uh, a show in the summer uh, that Davina De Campo was performing at. Now, it was uh, admittedly in the name, there were some family friendly allusions. And then um, uh, you will appreciate it, Velvet, but the song she sang was about fisting, which <laughs> immediately all of the families in the audience were like, oh, no, this isn't. But again, I think this is the problem with Drag Race UK on the BBC is we make it safe and okay and family friendly. <laughs> I think I think it's a problem all around, not just UK, but in the US. Like, I love the fact that drag is being accepted everywhere and becoming so mainstream and it's gathering a lot of fans and younger fans and people are appreciating it. But I feel like the essence of drag, where it comes from, is getting lost. Like, I don't mind kids playing dress up, but calling themselves drag queen, I think, kind of... I don't know what to say. Oh my God, English is a second language. Um, Drag, I feel like to me, comes from like grungy, dirty, sexual, uh, that kind of place. Like, you know, people used to suck dick in the clubs in full drag back in the day. You know what I'm saying? With gaping assholes. Um, So it's just Oh, we're going to have to bleep that, I'm afraid. Sorry. I know. (laughs) You're live on the BBC. You're you're live on the big black cock. (laughs) Uh, Not after last week's episode, Christ. (laughs) But it's becoming so PG-13 that it's like losing... That's why I think US Drag Race this season is so boring. It's like it's becoming so filtered and I understand like family friendly, but like I I like making sex jokes. I love the fact that you went to go see Domino Campos singing about fisting. Like I love those kind of dirty... Things, I mean, there are worse things that have happened in nightlife, in drag culture, than someone singing about fisting. Like, there are worse things that are happening in the bathroom stalls, at clubs, and any gay bar around the world than a drag queen singing about fisting. And guess what? My show is not really going to be for children. My show is going to be for adult gay men who are horny and drunk at a bar. So... If the only way that I could get their attention and the attention that I like to have is about singing about fisting or double penetration or cum shot or bukkake or scat or golden <laughs> shower, like so be it. You know what I mean? Like Lady Bunny nowadays, I feel like she can't even perform anywhere because all of her <laughs> songs you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I actually remember the first time I saw Lady Bunny live, even I was a bit like, oh, oh. This is a bit much, oh, isn't it? I thought know? she was hilarious. When I saw her live, she was the best best person on that stage. She really made me belly laugh. I mean, I love, like, I feel like if Lady Bunny made any kind of HIV or AIDS joke, it's like cancelled. Even her most recent um, music video that she did, um, Dry Ass Pussy or something like that, 
she got canceled on social media for doing that song. It's just like, girl, we are fully grown men. I'm sorry, I shouldn't gender her. So it's because gender is a social construct. <laughs> um, but like, it's just like, come on, guys. Like, it's comedy. It's fun. I mean, there are definitely moments where you have to be, like you guys said before, self-aware about your surroundings and stuff like that. But I think, I don't know. I like blurring the lines. I like being dirty and raunchy and all that jazz. Like, that's why I fell in love with nightlife and drag queens to begin with. So I wonder if there's like a, in our culture, in order to accept stuff, we have to sanitize it. Like we kind of go, hey, we've got this new, we've got gay people. Well, we, we need to make them family friendly. We we can't accept yeah. full gay culture. We have to go, oh, they're, they're you know, the non-threatening sort of camp friend of the, you know, of a woman kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and I think with drag, it's like, hey, you know, it's all family friendly and it's not about sort of sex in the toilets. And it's not about like, you know, but you hope that after it's been accepted, then it gets back to kind of, oh, yes. And there is a lot more depth to it. There's a lot more sharpness. and I think people need to realise that maybe on the television it's being sanitised and it's this and it's that. But if you actually come to a club or you go to a show, it's not exactly going to be that and you need to be prepared for that. <laughs> well, I, I'm still reeling from the first time that I performed and realised that I just said the F word and the C word in front of a room full of children. Uh that, that kind of like, oh, great, I forgot to um, change all of this around for the audience. I mean, but that's what my friend was saying. She went to go see an Alaska Thunderfuck show <laughs> here in New York And there was like a 13-year-old kid, and Alaska didn't know what to do because she already planned out a set. And most of her stuff is going to be raunchy and dirty. And she was like, well, you guys paid for it. I know there's a 13-year-old kid in here, but... This is what I'm, I mean. Her last name is Thunderfuck. You know what <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean? <laughs> like, I was just going to say, in terms of what you, you've said, all of that. So, if we're in New York and there is a, a Jasmine Rice show, can we expect kind of nothing off limits, kind of full frontal nudity and all the trimmings? Uh, that's as non PC as I'm willing to go this evening. As long as I, long as I don't break the law or get arrested, I don't think you could show genitals in bars in New York City. I think that's against the law. But I mean, you know, they always say that drag is political, drag is going against society's norm and, and all that stuff. Like, I'm, if I ever make someone uncomfortable, it's never my intention. And if it is my intention, it's because there's a comic relief after that awkward moment. I never. I think there's a difference between drag queens performing these kind of numbers. There's always the, the motive behind it is never malicious. It's never trying to, uh, trying to scam someone or degrade someone. Or I think in general, dra most drag queens are trying to make fun of it or make light of this, the situation or make jokes. So I think that's a very important thing to remind uh, people that when you come to a drag show, like, we're the biggest joke there is. Like, we are fully grown men, have testicles and the dick between our legs taped for hours, and we can't even take potty breaks like we did during this podcast. <laughs> and we're in full corset, heels, wigs, earrings. Like, we're in a lot of pain. We're the biggest joke in the room. So I think making inappropriate jokes and stuff like that, you just have to take it with a grain of salt and just laugh about it because that's what we're really there to do we're just there to entertain people and make people laugh so when you come to my show yes i'll be singing about fisting and golden showers and 
all that jazz. Brilliant. Wait, are you actually into fisting? It's it's a running joke a on the podcast where basically uh, it started off as a thing and now it's become this awkward thing where I can't say that I am and I can't say that I, I'm not because everyone's like... Well, let me ask you, are you actually into fisting? I, I think I might actually try it one day. I think I might actually try it one day, but to be fair, the amount of sex I'm getting at the moment, I'd be happy for anything. I'm just, you know, I'm... Oh, my. I, I, I'm, so literally, I'm getting on old buses and sitting down just to get some kind of action. I mean, you know... So, on the subject of, you know, it being basically something where the more people are educated, um, the more it can be liberated, I have a game um, that I mentioned earlier. So... What we're going to do is we're going to set up uh, Jasmine against one of our own um, in a head-to-head competition. This week we are going up against David. So we've got a little game to play called Sex Fact or Sex Fiction. And what are the prizes like? The prize is an exclusive Stu Peter badge. If you win, it's in a gold adjacent colour because it's not quite gold, it's more rose gold. And it's a nice big show-off badge. If you come second, you get a smaller silver version of it, which is still kind of cute, but you want to be a winner, really, don't you? <laughs> yeah, so. you don't want to come second twice, do you, Scott? Can I just get an time gift card? Is that... <laughs> no, it's the badge or nothing, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, why would you want a gift card when you could have a Stu Peter badge? Exactly. Oh. There's only so many of them. Also, we're just like Drag Race UK in the same tradition. We do not give out prizes other than badges. So uh-huh. you also get you do get bragging rights as well. So you know. Let's do it. Let's but, do uh, Excellent. So if David wins, he'll actually be the first um, representative of, of girl to win. Fingers crossed. The Catholic education comes in here. <laughs> well, so what we're gonna do? Um, We'll take it in turns, so we'll start with Jasmine, because um, we always start with a guest, and I'll ask you each a question in turns, and then the person with the most points will win. Um, Velvet, will you keep score? I will. I'm just going to find a little pen. Oh, here we go. Try looking in your trousers, dear. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, dear. It's a Sharpie. <laughs> That's a Sharpie. Right, I've, pull, I've pulled out my Sharpie, and I'm ready for action. Excellent. So literally all I need you to do is tell me if it's a sex fact or if it's sex fiction. So starting with Jasmine, the word clitoris is Greek for divine and goddess-like. I don't care. <laughs> um, Not an option. Uh, wait, so repeat the question. Oh my god, this is going to be like a pageant. Repeat the question, please. <laughs> so the word clitoris is Greek for divine and goddess-like. Is that fact or fiction? Um, hello, my name is Jasmine Rice Labeja, your contestant number one in question and answer. Um, I believe that this question is a fact. Correct, it is a fact. Oh. Excellent. David, couples in Brazil have the most sex approximately 164 times per year. Is that fact or fiction? Is that gay couple or straight couple? It's just couples, it didn't specify. I think it is a fact. Wrong. It's fiction. It's actually the statistic for Greece. Brazil is the second with 145 times a year. Hold on. Let me just book some flights. (laughs) You're not allowed to at the moment. (laughs) Bad velvet. Jasmine, outside of the bedroom, the most common place for adults in the US to have sex is the kitchen. I mean, I do serve fish. Um, (laughs) Outside of the bedroom. Yes, that is a fact. Incorrect. It's the car. 
Oh, that's not part of the house. Didn't say it was part of the house. It just said outside of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sneaky. Mm -hmm. Um, David, the average man has 11 erections per day and 9 erections a night. I think that's a fact. It is a fact. Oh, yes. Well done. An erection right now. Raise your hand if you have an erection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising both hands. Right now. <laughs> and all three legs. <laughs> um, so, Jasmine, approximately 1.6% of people worldwide identify as asexual. What? Uh, approximately 1.6% of people worldwide identify as asexual, which is having no sexual attraction to either sex. That is so disgusting. So what are they attracted to? Anacondas? They're just not sexual, usually. I don't necessarily think that's true either, just because they're asexual, from what I remember, doesn't necessarily mean they don't have sexual attraction. I always got confused in school because they explained asexual reproduction is where you cut off a stem from a plant and then you can grow a new one. So I was thinking that maybe you could get an asexual person and cut off a limb and then grow another version of them. But apparently that's not how it works. Cancel velvet. Cancel velvet. <laughs> um, I would say that's a fact, I guess. It is not. It's fiction. There's actually only 1% in the world who identify as asexual. Um, David, during 30 minutes of active sex, the average person burns approximately 200 calories. They're lazy. I think, I don't, mm, I feel like it's more calories than that. Or I feel like it should certainly be more calories than that. I mean, like, someone who's going to run a 5K marathon and have... <laughs> yeah, I can run 5K in less than 30 minutes. So, uh, well, I could five years True. ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's say fiction. Incorrect. That's fact. It Remember, it's average person. So, you know, oh. somewhere in the middle. Those uh, lazy people too. Damn it. Uh, mm. Jasmine, a sperm takes one hour to swim seven inches. What? What? A sperm takes one hour to swim just seven inches. <laughs> I feel like normally they don't even have to swim. I just swallow it. So what? why do they have to swim? <laughs> I don't understand this question. You are giving me trick questions. It's not a trick question. When they seven swim. Inch, wait, so repeat the question again. So if someone has a seven-inch dick... And I, think it, I think it's more when it's when it's inside a woman. Obviously, once it's traveling toward the egg, um, how like it, the average apparently is that it takes about an hour to swim. Where did you get, get these questions? <laughs> Online. Can, can we just have a moment of silence for Stu's search history, please? <laughs> it was one website. It took two minutes. I was just saying. That felt very heteronormative. I was slightly offended by that. I'm so I not offended by salad. This is very offensive. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Stu, I'm giving Jasmine a point for that because that was uh, that was homophobic. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, but I would love to know the answer. I will say fact. I guess. It is a fact. <laughs> so she got the point anyway. Yeah, there you go. Okay, um, David, according to Pornhub, the least kinky state in the US is Alaska. Oh, I can see that be true. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's say Sarah Palin's from there, so I don't know. Oh no! Oh Sarah no! Right yeah. back the family. I was gonna say, um, oh no, let's say facts. Let's no fiction. Fiction. Oh. I changed my mind. <laughs> is that your final answer, David? Yeah. So fiction is my final answer. Fiction is correct. Um, it's actually California. Somehow, that's the least kinky state. Alaska is in the top three. Give. Oh, based, based on search history. So 
Oh, they oh. may not appear it on TV, but behind closed doors. Uh, well, I suppose, though, in California, there's quite a lot of, like, stuff available for you right mm-hmm. there. Whereas in Alaska, you've got to, like, get six buses a mule <laughs> just to get somewhere down <laughs> here. So. Yeah. Exactly. You don't need it right. online because you've got it in person in California. Yeah. So last so, question for Jasmine. Um, at least one in eight people use their smartphones during sex. Is this also between heroes? I feel like gays be always using their phones during sex. <laughs> it's just a general overall question. Didn't specify. I don't think straight people film that often because they're ugly. Um, it could be so... that they're checking things. They're just kind of like going, I wonder how my stocks are doing. I was going to say, do we have to take into consideration how many people It just literally means using it. It doesn't have to be for the specific purpose of filming. Okay. What would be the purpose of using a smartphone during sex if it's not real? They might be bored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or ordering the ordering the food for us. <laughs> I'm, I'm going on to just say eat. fiction. It is fiction. It's actually one in five. Ooh. What? Yeah, one in five. Bloody hell. Mm-hmm. My word. And final question for David. The aroma of wine can cause arousal. I think that's just called alcoholics, but. <laughs> Yeah. I mean that's true. Um, so on the law of so we've had had two fictions, two facts. Oh, yeah, don't go game. by that law. So mm, mm, interesting. I'm going to say fiction again. Uh, it's actually a fact. The scent oh, of wines can replicate human pheromones. Some Ooh. wines, not all. Uh. And with that, we have our winner, our runner-up, with just. Two points is David, and in the lead with three points is Jasmine. Well Yay! done. Well, David, you ain't getting lucky tonight. You ain't winning nothing. <laughs> Another silver brought to the house. That's Catholic uh, education kind of reinforced right there. So <laughs> don't blame. Oh, well me. done, Jasmine. You'll get your gold badge in the post at some point soon. At some point soon, 2022, with all the COVID. Yeah, that's why we say sometimes we do it. We're not given a specific timeline here. I love that. So, Jasmine, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to promote? Uh, yes. Um, you guys could all follow me on all types of social media: Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Pornhub, Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmate, <laughs> Domino's. Uh, and most importantly, on Cash App, Venmo, and at PayPal at Jasmine Rice NYC. That is spelled just like the food: J S M I N E R I C E N Y C. A B C is your second deck, honey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. And usually we'd ask uh, Zaddy Bear Michael if he had anything to promote, but luckily I spoke to him earlier and he told us. All right, I'm Zaddy Bear. Check out badwordy.com for all your drag merch and stuff. And Elite Drag will be launching whenever I bloody feel like it. Right. <laughs> uh, June 1st, officially, but yeah. that's great. Thank you for that, uh, Zaddy Bear. Um, Brilliant. He'll love that. <laughs> I'm, I think it was a very good impression. Spot on. Uh, naturally, I have to promote thevelvetsnatch.com, which I've, I've, I've actually put up a little website now. I'm quite pleased with myself. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have much on it because <laughs> we're in the middle of lockdown and there's only so many online shows. But uh, yeah, so check out thevelvetsnatch.com and follow me on YouTube and Instagram and all of that nonsense. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jasmine. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> right. We'll end it there. Goodbye, everyone. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>
Oh, 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 oh,